Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles, and we're going to look at John chapter 14 again. And we're going to focus in on the reality of the fact that you are not alone. And that's what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. And, and I'll be honest with you, folks, maybe it's timely that we're looking at this, because right now, in the midst of all that's going on, the feelings of loneliness are greatly amplified. For all of us now, we're, we're, we're experiencing some sort of isolation that just wears on us. And one of the things that we struggle with in the midst of it, because we have no control. And when you have no control and no hope of control, that really wears on you. And you feel so isolated and you don't know what to do with it. And so then you multiply that, not just by one person, but you multiply that by hundreds of people around you who are all feeling like everything's out of control and they're, and they're on edge and they're nervous and, and they don't know what to do and they just feel isolated. So you can even be in a group of people and you feel very alone. You've been there, I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. But that's why we've gone to John chapter 13 through 16 to look at some key sections in this upper room discourse, really the encouragement that Jesus gave his disciples right before he would be betrayed and leave them. As he wants to encourage them that they're not alone. They're never going to be alone. We're going to see that today. Because if we've looked before, we saw it last week, that he, he gave us a promise, a promise of some passages will say some versions i think the new king james says the helper the old king james says the comforter the niv says the counselor the word is parakletos in its original language there's no english word that that really translates into it's it really means someone who comes alongside of you so all of the words that we use in our versions helper comforter counselor those are all reflective of that thing but it's it's so much more somebody who's walking with you did you know what i mean somebody who's helping you like have you ever hurt your leg and you didn't have a pair of crutches and you needed to lean on somebody to to get you to the next wherever or maybe it wasn't even your leg you just were out of it and somebody had to help you and guide you that that's kind of like what we're talking about here and, and let's be honest as we're going through life we need somebody like that, right? We really need somebody to, to guide us through what we don't know what's going on about. And, and let's be honest, we just talked about the age we live in, especially when you're not feeling in control, right? We need the helper. We need to know that we're not alone. So we're going to progress right on in our passage today. We're going to go up to verses 22 and 27. And we're going to see that there's this question that's raised. The disciples just aren't getting it. 
they don't understand. And really, if you understand where they're coming from, you would, you would be, probably be in the same boat. You would say, yeah, I don't understand either. I just gave three years of my life to follow Jesus. I thought he's going to come and throw out the Romans and establish the kingdom. Because that's what they're thinking. And he's not doing what I thought he would do. Ever been that way with God? Me, many times. God, I thought you were going to do this. Ever said that? And that's where we are here. So I want you to notice with me. Look at verse 22. The 12 had a fellow by the name of Judas, not Iscariot. He wants to make sure that we understand this is not Judas Iscariot. This is the other disciple named Judas. Look at what verse 22 says. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to basically divide this passage into three sections. We're going to look at verse 22. We're going to look at that question that Judas asked. It's a pretty interesting question, kind of reveals some things. If you look with me, it says there, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Now, that word manifest is interesting. You might be like, what does that mean? Does that mean just show? Well, what they were thinking is this. They were thinking in their mind that the Messiah, who they believe Jesus is, would show himself to everybody. Now, what does that mean? It wouldn't be like, oh, here I am. No, when they talk about showing, that's kind of like, well, a presentation. A, like presenting yourself as the victor. Showing up on a white horse conquering. Letting it be known that you are here to throw everyone else. It, it has with it the whole connotation that you are coming as the conqueror to make everything right. So in their mind, they're thinking, Jesus, you're going to show up. You're going to set everything right. Israel's going to be the great country that it was before. You are going to be its leader as the son of David. The Romans are going to be thrown out. Oppression will be gone. Freedom will be there. So here's the question. Because they've been listening to what he's been saying to them. So how are you going to show us that but not the rest of the world? It doesn't make any sense to them. Because then they're thinking when he shows himself, when he manifests himself for us, he really is, everybody's going to see it. So... Judas is wondering, hey, wait a minute now. How's that possible? So here's two things I want you to see here. First one's this. They had preconceived ideas about Jesus. 
They had preconceived ideas about Jesus. That's easy to have, isn't it? I'll tell you how they gathered him. Typically, how they gathered them was because they maybe listened to a speaker somewhere who said something and said, well, this is what's going to happen. Or they listened to teaching or they listened to, to what people were saying were going to happen. They had no foundation in God's word, but they felt that that's what the Messiah would do. They kind of grasped the hold of the popular thinking of the time. And at that time, they had a lot of popular thinkings about who the Messiah was and what he would do. In fact, their thinking about the Messiah actually ignored things that the Scripture did say. So, for instance, they totally missed Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, where it describes the brutality that the Messiah would go through, which very much fits with what happened to Jesus on the cross. But they didn't see that. That that never entered into their mind. They thought that's talking about the prophet or something. They didn't think that it was talking about the Messiah because they had a preconceived idea in their mind. Folks, can I be honest with you? You and I operate on preconceived ideas. And a lot of times it's because of slogans. A lot of times it's because of slogans that we hear. Christian slogans. And and we're good for slogans, right? T-shirt sayings. Things that we can post on Facebook in a little picture with a saying on it. Wow, this is what this person said. And I used to operate that way. I remember in our first church when we were in a church plant situation and we didn't get paid much and the church didn't have much money. But I was a big fan of, at that time I read lots of biographies. I was a big fan of Hudson Taylor the great missionary to China. And Hudson Taylor said this, and you'll hear this every once in a while you hear somebody say, God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. Have you ever heard that statement before? I had this preconceived motion that that's the way it's supposed to be. That if we do God's work his way, we'll never lack God's supply. That's not reality. In fact, I'll tell you why it's not reality. We went without pay three different times in that church. Now, that would be like, well, if you listen to that slogan and live by it, well, maybe you weren't doing it God's way, George. No, that's not it at all. Because the reality is that's not in the Bible anywhere. That's a nice slogan. And really, it was great for Hudson Taylor because it guided his ministry. But that's not my ministry. But I developed this preconceived idea about who God is and how God acts. So can, you, can I tell you what happened? When he didn't show up, like I thought he would because I had this preconceived idea, I got upset. Think about that in your life. What are the preconceived ideas that you have? Here's one that I hear all the time. God just wants me to be happy. God wants us to be happy and blessed. At this point in my life now as a pastor, I say, what do you mean by that? Is that the absence of problems? Well, let's be honest. Every book in the New Testament says you're going to what? Suffer, if you know Jesus. The times are going to be difficult. See, we have these preconceived ideas. They did too, which led to my second point here. They struggled with reconciling Jesus' actions with their ideas about him. This is the hardest thing the disciples were wrestling with here. 
They thought Jesus was showing up. They're going to be his right-hand man. Kingdom's going to be established. They're on the gravy train. Yes, he's going to be king, but they'll be his counselors or rulers or whatever with him. And he's saying this stuff about he's going to die and he's going away. And they're like, what? We just gave up three years of our lives. You can see where the struggle is happening within their hearts about this. It's very real to them. Some of the wrestling matches we have with God, can I be honest with you? Is because we struggle with trying to understand him as we reconcile it with something we felt was true about him but wasn't necessarily true. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that, is that real to us here? We have these preconceived ideas about God. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've watched it through the years. People who come, they'll get excited about the Lord, and then something devastating will happen, and they'll walk away, and they'll say, I'm never going to have anything to do with God again. And it's because they had a preconceived idea. And, and I sit there, and I'm thinking, where did they get that from? It comes from anywhere. See something on TV, somebody will tell you. Here's this one. If you come to Jesus, everything will be okay. Is everything okay for us who know Jesus? No. No, actually, I would say it got worse, right? So they struggled with reconciling. And that's what's going on. So here's how Jesus responds to it. And from this, we get a bigger picture of why you and I are not alone. It, it's really the thing that you and I need to hear right now because, let's be honest, we have preconceived ideas about God and this whole situation that we're in right now with the COVID and how the COVID's affecting the economy and affecting the way everybody's acting and how it's affecting us at work and how it's affecting us in our families and how it's affecting us personally, whether emotionally or mentally. We have these preconceived ideas, and, and we're like, does God understand? Has he done something for me? I feel alone. And, and you look at what he's saying, and you realize, yeah, he does understand. And he made some preparations for us. So let's take it first. Let's look at, first of all, the reality that you're not abandoned. So stop, first of all. You ever felt that way? I mean, literally. You're in the midst of a crisis. Nobody understands. And you just feel so alone and you have no one to help. In fact, maybe you have been abandoned. People walk away. You ever been there? It's not a great place to be, right? Look at what he says here. Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Let me give you three things here. First of all, God will always be with those whose love is expressed in obedience. God's always going to be with you. 
He's going to be with you not because you say, I love you, Jesus. Words don't mean anything. It's actions. He's going to be with those who are living their lives for him. He's always going to be with you. How do I know he's always going to be with you? Look at that last part there, verse 23. And we will come and make our home with him. Can I tell you what, it, what it's, it's like Jesus and God are saying, we're moving in. We're moving in. Now, that's a scary thought if you think about some people in your life. What do you mean you're moving in? I don't want you moving in with me. But if you think about God, Jesus, he's moving in. But where's he moving into? It isn't your house. It's your heart. It's your life. So that he's always with you. You're not abandoned. Okay, so he said, well, wait a minute now, George, because I'm trying to understand this. So here he was. Judas is saying, so how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Because they got this preconceived idea about what he's going to do. And Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, forget that, forget that. That's not what I'm talking about here. I want you to understand how I'm going to manifest it to you is I'm going to be with you. And the world can't see it. And we all know that, right? You have Jesus, and you have people around you who don't know Jesus. Jesus is real to you. You see Jesus every day in your lives, but the people around you, they don't see that. In fact, they say, well, that's a nice coincidence. They don't see it. He's real to you. God will always be with those whose love is expressed in obedience. In fact, he goes on and he wants to, to delineate that a little bit here. The second point he makes here is this. The nature of your obedience reflects the level of your love for Jesus. So here he is. If you, keep my if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and we'll be with you always. Next thing he says, those who don't do what I'm telling them don't love me. And the point is, you want to know how somebody loves Jesus? Look and see if they're doing what he says. And all you have to do is look at just a couple of the commandments he's given. Love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yep, I'm doing that. Okay, but here's the other two. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, so you get like the Pharisee. Who's my neighbor? Then Jesus comes along and says, a new commandment I give to you. We have already saw that here, chapter 13, right? That you love one another as I have loved you. Really, that's what he's talking about here, folks. You say you love me, then let me see that in your lives as you do what I'm telling you to do. And so the nature of our obedience reflects the level of love for Jesus. That, that's what's going on here. So that brings up the third point here. So that you understand this is not just Jesus' words. He says this, 
Everything that Jesus tells us is directly from God. Look at that last part there, verse 24. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. You say, okay, George, what do, we, what do we do with this? Well, that's where we come to the reality now of the promised one. Okay? So we see this in verses 26 and 27. Let me read you verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. All right, let me help you to understand what's going on here. All right? So it starts out with this question from a preconceived notion from Judas. So how are you going to show yourself to us, the Messiah, but not show it to everybody else? And Jesus says, wait a minute, now hold on, you're, you're on a different plane here. If you do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to make my home with you. The Father and I are going to make our home with you. We're going to be with you. But if you don't do it, well, that shows you don't love me. And just so you understand, the stuff I'm telling you to do, that's from who? God the Father. And so now he says, and this is what's so wonderful about God. All right, are you ready for this one? You write this one down. He understands your weaknesses. He understands what you can do and can't do. He understands that you're going to fail if he were just left up to you to do it. Do you understand? Would everybody agree with that? If, 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 if somebody just came along and said, here's the rules, you might for a few weeks go along and say, oh, I'm doing good on this, but then given the right circumstances, right situation, you'll break that rule. We do that all the time, right? We do that every day. Just try driving through town. He says, I'm going to send you somebody. Really, and here, in fact, it tells us it's not him who's sending. Who? The Father is sending him. See, that's the first point I want you to see here. First point, the Holy Spirit was sent to you by God the Father. In Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit, who lives in each and every one of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Helper, the Holy Spirit was sent to you by God the Father to help you to do what? The stuff he's telling us to do. The stuff that Jesus is telling us to do, which Jesus just pointed out to us, the stuff I'm telling you to do comes from who? God the Father. Guess what? God the Father then sends who to help us? The Holy Spirit. And remember, when we talk about the helper, think about what the Greek word means. Someone who comes alongside. You ever started a job? You've been given a task. You don't know what in the world you're supposed to do. And thankfully, the boss sends somebody who's experienced to walk beside you to help you to know how to operate that piece of machinery or to do that task to tell you exactly what you need to do? 
You're kind of like an apprentice for the moment. This is really what the picture is here. He's sending someone to guide us through life. That's what he's talking about here. And here's what he does. The Spirit will teach you and help you to remember. He'll teach you. And let me just say, he's a patient teacher. Some of the teachers we, we are used to, it's like they give you it. Okay, I gave you that on Tuesday. I don't need to cover that anymore. Uh, but if you're like me, you're pretty dense. You need three or four months of being told that, right? I'm 54. There's, there's still things I'm still being told. I haven't, it's not getting through the noggin. The Spirit is a patient teacher with us. And so he teaches us what? Can I tell you what he teaches you? Obedience. The Spirit teaches you how to live. How to, how to respond. Let, let's be honest. When you're talking about the world we live in right now, do we really know how to respond to all the stuff that's going on around us? I mean, we kind of know, but... I mean, stuff's happening every day that, like, how do we respond to that? How do we, how do we handle that? How do we, how do we deal with this situation? You just go into sheets and something's crazy going on, you know? You didn't ask for that. How do you respond to that? How do you, how do you react to life? How do you, how do you react? You're working on a project and you can't get the supplies in that you need because there's a disruption in the economy or something. How, how do you deal with this? And, and the pressure's there. And how do you respond to all that? The Spirit will teach you. And he'll remind you, you're not alone. Is that not awesome? And then notice how Jesus follows it up here. Here's the last thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 27. Why do you think, I, here's what he said. I mean, he says this several times in this upper room discourse. But here he says it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How's that possible? Where's this peace coming from? The helper. The helper. Isn't that, isn't that true for us? It's because we live in this world where we think we're alone and we're, we're nervous and we're fretful, we're worried. You're not alone. And he gives you peace. Through who? The Spirit who's with us. Who comes alongside of us. Why do you think in Philippians, he says, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's because you have the Spirit. He's with you. Isn't that awesome? 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.